welcome to Drilling Deep. I'm your host, John Kingston. You need to drill for oil to get it. You need oil to make diesel, and you need diesel to make the trucks go. We talk about that here on the podcast, and that's why we call the show Drilling Deep. But we also talk about other things. Today, we're going to speak to Noel Perry. Noel is an independent transportation consultant, but who also does a lot of work with key industry groups, such as the Transportation Intermediates Association. That's the trade group that covers the 3PL industry. Noel's going to be here to talk about his views on the market in a few minutes. Is your head spinning? Do you keep up with the price of diesel only through the weekly Department of Energy price? If that's it, well, it's maybe not spinning all that much. Those gains tend to be kind of slow, and they have been nothing but gains for 12 weeks now. But if you've been following the commodity moves of ultra-low sulfur diesel on the CME and trying to figure out how that is going to impact your price of fuel, it's perfectly understandable if you're a little dizzy. On Monday of this week, the price of diesel on CME fell more than 12%. That's an enormous one-day move. Then it rose 2.75%. The next day, it rose 7.4%. Even acknowledging that this is a market subject to volatility at all times, these kind of swings over three days are super volatile. As I record this on Thursday, things are up again, and it looks like all the declines in price from that 12% down day will have been recovered. So what's driving the market? The first thing that happened is that OPEC and its OPEC plus plus brethren did agree to put more oil onto the market starting in August. Remember, they had a meeting over the 4th of July weekend and they failed to do so. Everybody went into that meeting expecting another 700,000 barrels a day of supply to be added for August. They couldn't agree for a kind of an inside baseball type reason and left the markets hanging. Three consecutive months of increases from uh, uh, May, June, and July were set to run out this month, leaving markets not knowing whether supplies are going to be adequate to face rising demand. That would have been seen as bullish, or that would be seen as bullish, so the new supply helped to temper any upward move. But at the same time, markets on Monday, the day of that 12% plus decline, they got very nervous about the Delta variant and the impact that might have on the conventional wisdom about demand growth in the second half of this year. By one estimate, the world needs another more another more than maybe five and a half million barrels a day of added crude oil production by the end of the year. But what if it doesn't need that? What if the models aren't taking into account that the spread of the Delta variant might soften that rate of growth? That rate of growth is not going to fall anywhere near the collapse of April of 2020, but the decline might matter in terms of those models. So that's what drove the price lower. And then the market seemed to forget that the rest of the week. By the close of business Thursday, the commodity price of diesel had regained all of its declines for Monday and was back over 2.12 a gallon. Meanwhile, another trend has emerged in the past few days that is significant. Freightwaves tracks the spread between the retail price of diesel and the wholesale price of diesel in a data series called Fuels.USA. It's in our Sonar dashboard product. It's a simple spread, but it also does reveal whether the retail price relative to wholesale is running lower or higher than traditional norms. That spread tends to run at about a dollar to a dollar five, with the uh, with the retail price above wholesale. You know, retail pricing is such a hard trend to figure out. At times, it's well over the wholesale average. At times, it's below. It's made up of so many localized decisions down on the street level that declaring a trend is almost impossible. The one exception to that, I would say, recently is last year when the pandemic first hit. Retailers knew that trucks were needed to resupply the shelves that were emptying out quickly, and they kept their diesel prices high, even as wholesale prices were collapsing. 
you know, but most of the time, the why in retail is just too tough to figure out. There is no obvious reason why diesel prices in the last two weeks have closed the gap with wholesale prices, but they have. And that's one of the reasons why the DOE retail diesel price rose this past week, even as the commodity price and the wholesale price of diesel was lower. One thing you don't need to worry about is whether there is enough diesel. U.S. inventory measured by day's cover is at some of the highest levels all year. So the bottom line here is that oil is a financial assets. All assets have been volatile this year, and that volatility has tended to be to the upside. But as measured by the global crude oil Brent benchmark, we're almost four weeks since the recent high crude oil price. What seemed like an upward ride that would never end has hit the skids, at least for now. We're going to move on now to our guest of the week, and he is Noel Perry. He is the principal of Transport Futures, but Noel is also known for having a close relationship as an economic advisor, kind of an economic guru with the Transportation Intermediates Association, which is the trade group of the 3PL industry. He has a similar uh, role with truckstop.com, and I first became acquainted with Noel when he debated my colleague Zach Strickland about whether the freight market was going to be a bull market or a bear market. That was on stage back in, I believe it was 2018, Noel, uh, at our FreightWaves live event in Atlanta. I won't go back and declare a winner retros- retrospectively but, or retroactively, but I thought it was a great discussion, and I'm, I've always enjoyed listening to Noel. So, Noel, thanks for joining us today on Drilling Deep. Sure. So we'll take nice that, to be here. We'll take that question up again. Bull or bear right now? Um, well, I'm a, I'm a bull in the short run, but a bear in the, uh, in the medium term. All right. So almost everybody's a bull today. So what would cause you to be bearish? Well, just history. Uh, the the um, state of the market right now is highly unusual. Um, and, you know, the tide comes in and the tide goes out. And uh, the tide's been in now for, uh, what, more than a year. And it's t- pretty soon time to go out. And the only question is when. Uh, with the spot market, it's probably pretty soon. As a matter of fact, we're we're going into the a seasonal time of weakness, and so there are some signs of that. That's not underlying strength or underlying weakness, but it happens every year. However, you just don't sustain this this kind of pressure on a on a marketplace uh, indefinitely. Uh, I've done some research recently, which puts some. Um, some teeth behind this conclusion, and that is the third quarter of last year and the first quarter of this year were the strongest quarters on record for growth and durable goods. Uh, And durable goods are very strong indicators of freight uh, volumes. They were extraordinarily strong and way stronger than any supply chain can adapt to quickly, and so we got behind got behind last year, and we caught up somewhat in the fourth quarter, and then it happened again. And so we're going to spend the rest of the year catching up. What does that mean? Well, it means that the market will remain at a relatively high level, quite a high level, uh, on the spot side, same with contract. But it'll also mean that the increases we've seen over the past uh, year uh, will slow or disappear. the data that I get from truckstop.com, which is excellent weekly data, shows that um, uh, the tightness uh, metrics have uh, declined a little bit and that the pricing metrics have stabilized. They bounce around a little bit 
And I'm sure that freight wave stuff shows the same thing, but they're not going up anymore. Uh, and it's just a matter of time before they go down. I've looked at these, these, um, these events in the past and they behave pretty much the same way. That's why uh, I was a bear at this time in 2018. It's why I was a tremendous bull a year and two, three months ago at the bottom of the, of the downturn because things reverse. And uh, now we're, we're uh, at the other end of one of these things. And again, the only question is how long. Spot side, they tend to be shorter. Contract side, they might drag out. As a matter of fact, I don't think we're going to get a lot of uh, shippers. are not going to get a lot of relief on the contract side until sometime late next year, if not in, into 2023. That's just the nature of the accounting for contracts. But spot should begin to go down pretty soon. You know, it's notable, it's notable that yesterday, okay, we're, we're talking here on Tuesday, uh, on Monday, that two truckload carriers, Martin and Heartland, hit 52-week lows on the stock market. And uh, I know you're not an equity analyst per se, but you wonder, are investors kind of a, are they maybe listening to the same kind of data that you're listening to? They have kind of the same view that you do that, that maybe we peaked and they're getting out ahead of everybody else. Well, the last time that I... I got out ahead of everybody else. I was all by myself, as uh, Mr. Strickland pointed out. Uh, this time, uh, I don't know. Uh, we've had some experience now with a similar um, uh, crisis, and uh, maybe some people are taking the time to look at the at the historical data. Uh, what I can say for sure is that a extension of the spot market crisis we have now would be unprecedented historically. And I don't see anything in the data that suggests that that's going to happen. Not that we might have a slower return to normal. That's certainly possible, but not uh, not no return. Uh, one other thing that I, I've done some research in the last week that points to some of these issues. We talk about all of these things in terms of supply side shortages. And there's no question that this is the tightest capacity crisis we've had in my lifetime, and I've been around a long time, uh, uh, and you're tempted to say, oh, it's got to be some kind of a supply issue. Uh, something is restricting supply. And of course, we have some modest indication of that. However, all you got to do is look at the demand numbers. They went nuts. And there's no fleet in the world, whether it be Heartland or anybody, who either wants to or has the ability to keep up with that kind of an acceleration in demand. And so the industry got behind, and it got behind again in the first quarter. So um, like I said, um, uh, what little data we have on the number of truck drivers says that nothing's happened um, uh, out of historical norms on the on the supply side. Uh, and one thing that the that the data does show pretty clearly is we had a surplus of, of drivers prior to that downturn in the second quarter of last year. And, so, and it was a very short downturn, and it's probable that we didn't lose as many drivers as we normally do in a downturn like we did in uh, 08, 09. And so uh, what it looks to me like has, has happened is two things. We've had this fabulous acceleration in demand, and we've also had some um, non-governmental uh, loss in um, inefficiency because there's so many out of route moves 
due to the supply chain problems we've had globally, that trucks are not as efficient. They're, you know, there's more empty miles. There's, there's, um, uh, there's more imbalance of supply and demand. And that means that the whole industry is probably down one or 2% and maybe 3% in terms of productivity. Temporary, it'll go away. But it always happens when we depend on the spot market. Let's talk about one change in supply, though, sure. that would be different than the past, and that would be the drug and alcohol clearinghouse. Sure. How much of an impact on the supply side is that? Now, the last numbers I saw were 60,000 drivers in there. Um, yeah. You know, they're not all, they're not all necessarily, they weren't all necessarily active, but that's a lot of potential supply. Oh, sure. And I have that in, you know, I, I calculate the effects of that, that um, kind of thing, and uh, I've had that number in there. Maybe out of good luck for a long time, uh, and uh, yes, it, it. Now let's think carefully about that number. In the first place, it's a cumulative number, uh, and so in any given quarter, any given month, there's a you know there's some fraction of that number that are withdrawn from the marketplace, and so if you calculate how many additional drivers we have to recruit because of that, uh, it's a much smaller number. It's significant. But for instance, it's not near as big as ELDs, and it's not near as big as the hours of service change we've had in other times. Nor, very importantly, is it as big as the effects of the training regulations we're going to get next year, or if the Biden administration has their way, a speed limit restriction. That would be a biggie. So yeah, there's some effect on the, on the drug side. However, if you quantify that and then compare it to what we know for sure happened on the demand side, it's it's apples to oranges. One of them is very big. The other one is just there. You talked about other supply problems, supply chain problems that were uh, slowing down the efficiency uh, and, and slowing down the efficiency of trucks. I mean, the one thing that comes to mind is new trucks, like all new vehicles, have been tougher to come by simply because of the chip shortage. Uh, mm-hmm. that, what, what else was in your reference to that? Well, I mean that's that's certainly there. Although you know the um, the sales numbers are relatively high, and the other thing, I looked at these the other day, and one of the things that stands out is that there was record sales in 2019, if you remember, uh, on a pretty modest market, and so there was no indication that there was a a, a shortage of tractors uh, coming into this this crisis. As a matter of fact, by any reasonable estimate there was a surplus and and so uh yeah uh, people um uh would perhaps like to buy a few more but can't because of the chip problem however um uh well uh the numbers don't seem to um in the aggregate when you add them up indicate that's a limit the other thing of course is anytime there's a shortage of trucks people can run their current trucks longer. And the biggest determinant, by the way, at any given time, the biggest determinant of uh, retail sales for new vehicles and used for that matter is the propensity of the big fleets to replace, not to add capacity, simply to young up their capacity, if you want to call it that. Now, that is a modest means of adding capacity because you can then keep those things running longer uh, uh, without maintenance. But um, uh, uh, there's no indication that I can see on that side. I'm 
trying to get the latest FMCSA numbers, which of course are full of, uh, the authority numbers are full of all kinds of fluff. Uh, and when I know, maybe the next time we can talk, we can talk about that. <laughs> Very good. So if, if, if you were talking to a truckload, a truckload company now that was thinking of adding capacity, would, would it be your advice to not do so? I would do so cautiously. Um, I certainly wouldn't go and um, uh, uh, put out record orders. I would I would focus on you know getting quality drivers and uh, and treating them well. So What's no, your- I don't think this is a time to um, bet the farm on having a great market next year or the year after, particularly on the spot side. What's your view now of recruitment efforts for drivers? You know, every company claims to have found some kind of magic sauce that they do it better than everybody else. Um, yeah, their their retention rates are still high, but they're coming down. And, you know, they, they've, they've got, got some policies in place that are making it better. Um, and yet, you know, the overall figures don't really seem that different. Uh, what is your view of retention efforts today? Oh, I think you just summed it up properly. They all claim that they... They uh, are uh, changing the world by by doing a better job and treating their uh, their drivers better, but there's no absolutely no evidence of that in the uh, in the numbers. Uh, not that there aren't plenty of fleets that treat their people very well, but um, uh, that isn't the mentality amongst the the big over the road fleets where the guys are sleeping in the trucks. The only thing that has changed about that environment. Well, maybe one other thing. People are getting home more. They used to be out a month, and now they're home every two weeks um, or maybe every 10 days. But the only big change that I've seen in my time is that the trucks are a heck of a lot prettier and more comfortable to live in. And that's the one thing that the fleets have bet money on with respect put permanent money on with respect to driver recruiting is they say, Oh, if I give the guy a good truck, he's more likely to stay with me. Uh, sometimes they add a little bit more money in the paycheck. And then when the next down co- turn comes, they take it right back. However, the trucks are still pretty. Well, that's interesting. You say that they take it right back because of the discussions I've had are that companies are, they don't like to, um, they don't like to increase base pay because that's very sticky. And yes. um, when the market turns down, they're stuck with those sticky higher uh, pay rates and much mm-hmm. lower freight rates. Is that a problem for a company, let's say, you know, a year or two out? Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, this is the truckers are very shy pricers. And um, when the when the market's weak, they give in. When they have an emotional cover for taking increases, they take big ones. Uh, and they get back up to where I think, as an economist, they should be closer to permanently. But in 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 when it when it goes down, they all think that somebody's going to steal their business, and they they uh, they uh, lower price. Let's jump back to something you were talking about before. You talked about contract numbers versus spot numbers, and uh, coming off. I haven't listened. I haven't sat in on any earnings calls yet for the second quarter, but listen to the first quarter, and there were all sorts of statements about that. You know, contract pricing was going to be up about double digits, and uh, the the statement that a lot of them used was, you know, we're going to have to have some serious discussions with our with our shippers. Uh, what are you seeing for contract rates 
at the end of this year, let's say compared to the second half of 2020? What's the percentage increase? Oh, I'm, uh, here, here, hang on a minute. I, I can pull it right up. I just, I just did that forecast. Okay. Um, uh, back up one, one slide. For contracts, uh, fourth quarter, I have them um, up 11%. 11% over fourth quarter of 2020. Right. Now, that's, you know, that's on very weak comps, as they say in the, uh, in the security analyst game. Uh, but I only have them up about one and a half percent quarter to quarter. But yeah, I mean, uh, this is going to be a fabulous year for contract prices. If you look at them for and spot prices, you do it year over year. The more important business question: if I'm either a stock stock trader or I am a fleet manager, is what's the sequential, the quarter over quarter numbers? Because you know, for instance, the third quarter. It's going to be somewhere close. To, well, the second quarter is 15% above a year ago. Third quarter, 14.5%, 14%. And yet the quarter over quarter increase in the third quarter is going to be less than 2%. The same with the fourth quarter, something like that. So, yeah, prices are still going up, but they're not accelerating in the way that you would think if you just look at the year over year numbers. And of course, the Earnings calls are really year-over-year -year oriented, but it's all about comps. That's why those security analysts keep teaching us the importance of looking at comps. Right. Well, I think you're yes. right about, about that. They usually are year-over-year, -year, but this might be the first year where sequential takes more importance because you're comparing everything to a, just a nutty 2020. Oh, absolutely. And if we look, for instance, at um, at, at uh, spot rates, um, spot rates are up 50 in the second quarter, we're up 55%. Year over year, 10% uh, uh, quarterwise. This quarter, another wonderful 21% up, I think. And but, however, sequential the year, uh, they're going to be down. Now, part of that seasonality, and part of it's uh, the fact that we reached the peak. So, you know, if you're a business person, do you focus on whether you're making money at the current levels? And the answer is everybody can a lot of money. Or do you focus on whether or not you're making more money? And what I, you know, what I see the market, uh, the stock market encouraging and short-term management encouraging is this making big gambles to keep getting another increment of growth. And um, price-wise, uh, that's going to happen a little longer for contracts. I don't think at all for spot. No historical precedent for it anyway, and that's what I'm going on. Talking more about, we were talking before about companies declaring this time it's different, uh, kind of along the lines of the pricing. A lot of companies have said, you know, we're not just going to chase business for the chase for the sake of chasing business. It kind of goes back to that old joke about we lose money on every sale, but we make it up in volume. Uh, do, you sense, do you sense a change on a lot of companies? Are they not just going to chase business for the sake of chasing it, that it better be profitable? Well, I'll, I'll give you a, a, a sports analogy to answer that. Uh, and that is uh, in, in 17, the Eagles won the stupid bowl. And, and all of us Philly fans thought that they would win it every year. Things have changed. The Eagles are going to be great. The Eagles won four games last year. So I don't think anything's changed. Well, the only thing that's changed here, and it worries the hell out of me, is that the government's 
has decided to manage more of our business. And very importantly, this is something that all of the listeners should focus on. Inflation is going up. Most economists, I don't agree with them, many economists, I don't agree with them at all, but many economists think it's temporary, including the ones at the Federal Reserve. And so they're managing that way. Here's what's important. The, the, the current structure of the U.S. economy is dependent on low interest rates for a whole number of reasons, not, not, not uh, including the federal debt, as a matter of fact. Uh, but we are dependent on low interest rates to keep the economy moving. Uh, and in order to have low interest rates, you have to have low inflation. One goes with the other. If this inflation, and I just looked at it, 5.2%, I think, year over year, 0.9 month over month, uh, that's um, that 0.9 rate calculates out to a, um, a, a, a annualized rate of around 10% in the, in the month of June. If that were to be sustained, we would have big troubles. And so... The one thing I'm looking at more than anything else is this inflation issue. Now, the most likely case is it'll come down and we'll skirt through somehow for a while, two or three years. Uh, but my biggest piece of advice to everybody who's in this business is to, if you're going to look at the economic reports every morning, look at the inflation ones. All right. We want to thank Noel Perry of Transport Futures for joining us here today on Drilling Deep. Noel works very closely uh, with his own company, and uh, but also with the Transportation Intermediates Association and truckstop.com. We do hope you'll come back, Noel. So you've been listening to Drilling Deep. We are part of the Freightcast family of podcasts from FreightWaves. You can find us on all of the major platforms for podcasts. I've been your host, John Kingston. Please join us again.